Do other people perceive you differently? Over time, do you get surprised with what you learn about yourself? In this episode of That One Thing, join us as we gain a deeper understanding of who we are and discover how we can improve and cultivate self-awareness. Hello, hello! Welcome to another episode of That One Thing Podcast. Hi, Rose! What's up? What's new with you? Hi, Kim! Hi, TOT listeners! Nothing new to share, but I've undergone a root canal for my wisdom tooth, which makes my mouth ache. I still have to go through a series of procedures, and for sure, I will get used to the pain. Oh, no! That's awfully painful, but mm. I am sure that they will give you some antibiotics or pain reliever meds, so you'll be fine. Funny that you mentioned that. I have a tooth that is about to give up as well, and I'm feeling that tingling sensation, and it's really annoying too. Mm. Time to schedule a dentist appointment and have it extracted. Kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I think. That's really the route I'm gonna go to. And here's the thing. No offense to my dentist. It was, I think, a few weeks ago or mm. two weeks ago, I had a dental braces. Of course, as everybody knows, I regularly visit the clinic for bracket adjustment to realign my teeth. And I'm pretty sure they've seen that there's a deep hole or decaying tooth. <laughs> Although I haven't felt it yet during that time, but they could have warned me that it needs to be fixed soon. Or they could just have told me that I need to go back anytime soon. Well, good thing is that you are aware that there's something wrong is going on. <laughs> Not really. I only found out like two or three days ago when I felt that agonizing pain after eating. And I'm blindsided. I just hope... We have dealt on this tooth since I'm already avoiding going out during the pandemic. I'm really minimizing any interactions outside. Mm. Actually, this dental issue you had is a perfect example of today's topic. (laughs) (laughs) We humans sometimes or most of the time become aware that something is going on or off if we are faced with the consequences or if someone will tell us directly. So, I was thinking about this earlier before we started our conversation, Kim. How self-awareness has brought us Mm. into so many interesting places like how we've interacted with people, how our relationship has changed over time. And how our own ability to recognize when we're feeling good or not. Yes, that's a great idea, Rose. In the last two episodes, that exercise made me reflect on the things I've learned and continue learning about myself. And it seems that those episodes are the passageway to this episode for our July 2 episode. That one, (laughs) self-awareness. I never thought that the lessons we shared in the last two episodes would make this way to this conversation. Good job to us, Kim. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, then let's talk about that. What precisely does it mean to be self-aware? 
And why and how did self-awareness emerge as a venerable trait nowadays? Mm. Let's start with the basics. Defining what self-awareness is. So feel free to add your thoughts here, Kim, if you have. I'm not just giving to the definition or giving definition here in our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, self-awareness was first defined by Shelley Duvall and Robert Wicklund in 1972. That people can focus attention on the self or on the external environment at a given moment. They also noted that when we focus our attention on ourselves, we evaluate and compare our current behavior to our internal standards and values. We become self-conscious as objective evaluators of ourselves. Hmm, interesting fact. Hmm, I thought the term self-awareness is traced back to Freud and Jung. Hmm. Similar to what you said, self-awareness is the recognition of one's own emotional state at any given point in time. If we travel back in time, thousand years ago, if we describe what traits we'd want for ourselves, it is so simple. And we might say, I want to be a kind daughter, Mm -hmm. a friend, a family, a lover. Or we would say, loving, generous, patient, respectful. Those simple descriptions that we have for ourselves. But we wouldn't even mention that I want to be self-aware. Mm-hmm. Right? We wouldn't even mention self-awareness as a trait. Yeah. But looking now, it is one quality that we all try and want to have. Yes. I honestly want to master that trait. Do you still remember the time when you first started to become self-aware? That's a tricky question. <laughs> I think there's hmm, no first memorable experience that Mm. I have become self-aware. I can't remember, to be Mm. honest. I mean, for me, it is situational. And sometimes, in order for me to be really self-aware, it needs to be intentional. Mm. So let me ask you a question. Do you remember the first time you become (laughs) self-aware? I am not sure if that was the moment I realized what self-awareness is. Or rather, it could be an addition to how I become more self-aware. So, it's story time. <laughs> um, Tell us. Yeah, when I was 14 or 15 years old, I had this group of friends. What I call church friends. And I was the youngest in the group. My friends were at their 22 years plus age. So that's an average of six years gap from my age. (laughs) I knew back then that people loved my company, especially the childish, happy-go-lucky trait that I had. I was their clown, so people's attention was all mine. (laughs) (laughs) Then one day, one day, a friend of mine within that circle of church friends approached mm-hmm. me and told me that she thinks I have this superiority complex attitude. <laughs> of mm-hmm. course, I asked why she thought of that. She replied, simply because you love getting people's attention. Imagine. Mm-hmm. 
I have a high respect to elderly and whenever they have advice, guidelines, and observations, which I think is beneficial to my personal growth, I put the value in it. That one comment about me having a superiority complex, I took that seriously. Hmm? I studied (laughs) what superiority complex was, Mm -hmm. evaluated myself if I really have that, and asked others if I do have that. And I got one answer. My actions were just mistakenly tagged as superiority complex. So other people told me that the one who told me that I have that attitude is the one who has it. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever it is, I learned through that experience how to become self-aware and be sensitive at the same time to your environment. You really need to keep in mind that you really can't please everybody. What's your take on my story, Kim? Do you think I have a superiority complex or did I have at any moment? Taka nga, joke. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, before we comment, you said that you search for the meaning of superiority complex. Mm. What did you find out? What is it about when you search during that time? Um, let's put it in the simplest form based on how healthline.com defines it. <laughs> <laughs> superiority complex is a behavior that suggests a person believes they're somehow superior to others. In short, people with superiority complex have boastful attitudes to people around them. Hmm. In Tagalog, could it be mayabang? <laughs> Mahangin. <laughs> mm, yeah. Exactly. I mean, it suggests that you believe you are superior or above others to the yeah. point that you are dismissive and disdainful to others. That's how I would interpret superiority complex. And I'm no expert here. You said also that you asked that person how he or she has seen you as an individual with a superiority complex. Yeah. And the response was, quote-unquote, that you love <laughs> getting people's attention. Mm. And I think the definition doesn't make sense. It's different from superiority complex. Well, in my head, matawag ka lang niya na may complex, naniwala ka naman. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I doubted myself a bit. Of course, I was only 14-ish. And she was like, hello, older than me. One of the reasons why I evaluated my actions not to prove that she was wrong, but to learn more about myself. Mm-hmm. Yep. And another example that proves that wisdom doesn't always come with age. Mm-hmm. Also, if you love getting attention all to yourself, maybe that person should have called you as a self-centered or narcissistic or you have histrionic personality disorder mm-hmm. wherein you have a pattern of excessive attention-seeking behaviors or egocentric or overly exaggerated behaviors. Mm. And I guess those are the extreme ones. But not to focus on what's wrong with you, Mm -mm. but what's good in that particular experience is you were able to learn more about yourself Mm. and how people you surround yourself with can help or break you. Right? And Adam Grant 
um, he's an organizational psychologist in Wharton. And I remember or reading it somewhere. And he said, and I really agree to this, that to become more self-aware, don't ask why you're the way you are. Mm-hmm. Because that often leads to rumination. Instead, ask what situations bring the best and worst about you. And what can you improve? Mm-hmm. I think what he's trying to say here is what triggers you to be the best and the worst? Mm. There's one thing that popped into my head when you mentioned asking what situations bring the best and worst about us and what can we improve. Mm-hmm. How can we know all this stuff? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Let me think about it. But <laughs> nah. At work, if I may share, mm-hmm. we usually have this 360 review yearly and they idea of it is that a survey or set of questions will be sent Mm -hmm. out to all of your peers and ideally to those you had a close working relationship with like campaign projects initiatives etc and they will give you feedback about how you are at work Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i don't usually look forward to those feedback sometimes (laughs) (laughs) because they are terrifying but those kinds Mm -hmm. of reviews or surveys they open up a window for you to see or for us to see who we really are outside our known window windows are you talking about johari window you read my (laughs) mind kim what do you know about Johari's window aside from the four quadrant image it is engraved in my mind every time i hear that yeah, the Johari window model is really a technique that helps people better understand relationships with themselves and others. Hmm. The name Johari is coined from two American psychologists who developed this model in 1955, see Joseph Loft and Harry Ingram. It is necessary to improve oneself and this is a convenient method used to achieve those. So those four windows basically shows you what is known to self, known to others, not known to self, and not known to others. Mm-hmm. Each quadrant can be increased horizontally or vertically. And of course, the one where we should enlarge is the area we're in open, they call it open, or self-aware area, which is the first quadrant. Mm-hmm. It is where the information about the person our attitudes, behaviors, emotions, feelings, skills, and views are known to ourselves as well as to others. Mm, really? The first quadrant? I was thinking of focusing on the four quadrants. <laughs> Actually, there's a Harvard research a few years ago where they had 10 investigations and, and nearly 5,000 participants, they examined what self-awareness is and why we need it. And they found out that even though most people believe they're self-aware, only 10 to 15% of people fit the criteria of Mm self-awareness. And it's really a rare quality. Mm -hmm. Same with the Johari window, this study points to two types of self-awareness, internal and external. Internal self-awareness is how well we clearly know ourselves. Mm-hmm. External is how well you understand how others see you. Mm-hmm. And also, in that same study, it says that experience and power hinder self-awareness. 
An experienced person can lead to false sense of confidence about herself. And that mm-hmm. overconfidence can lead them to think that they know well of themselves. Example, at work, the more senior and powerful a leader holds, they can overestimate their skills. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, well, one reason is they don't have a lot of people above them or seniors who would provide them more candid feedback to them. Mm. Right? Yeah, yeah. Other people may think that we're acting differently or our intentions are different than they actually are because there is a gap between what we are doing what behaviors are, and how we see ourselves in the world versus how other people see us. Good thing you went through the internal and external awareness scheme. Having that will equip us in understanding and feeling that gap. Mm -hmm. But the question is, how can we make it to the 10 to 15% or increase that self-awareness? How can we really fill that gap? Oh, <laughs> my own thoughts. Well, I was raised to ask for feedback and mm-hmm. an honest feedback from people that I trust. So this helps me understand others' perspectives of me and the impact I may have on others. We all have blind spots in our thinking patterns and behaviors and feedback is a great way to discover our strengths and weaknesses. Of Mm -hmm. course, we just don't rely on feedback. We also (laughs) need to do self-evaluations to see which areas we need to harness and improve on. How about you, Kim? What's yours? Mm, good point first. Oh, and asking for feedback and also placing some caution there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think choosing the people whom you will talk to is important. And yeah. those people will help you keep grounded. Mm-hmm. To add to what you said, I'd try to be more curious also about myself. I would try to explore and experience. Example, food choices. I would like to taste it first, right? Mm. Looks could be deceiving. And after using all tactile, I know that this particular dish makes me icky and say, I don't <laughs> like it. You know, mm. let's say I notice and I am that I'm not a sensitive person. But in what aspect am I saying that I am not sensitive? Mm. Where did I peg that description about my attitude? In fact, if I am really critical of myself, I would say I am emotional too at times and sometimes criticisms can get the best of me. Mm. And as I mentioned earlier, we can overestimate our self-knowledge and sometimes if it is something that we don't like about ourselves, our reaction could be to also defend ourselves. Yeah. I remember, I know we talked about this way back and I will not mention names, but a friend of ours, and I know you know this person, this friend asked us for advice and shares with us issues with a work colleague. Uh-huh. I'm not sure what you told our friend, but I know as the third person looking from the outside, I always tell our friend to take time to look at what could be the potential reasons or see why that colleague has a negative perception about our friend. So I listened intently and tried to validate what our friend felt. Over 
and over again, I would ask what they want to accomplish. Do they want mm. to resolve it or not? Probably on the end time, <laughs> I realized you're going back in circles and nothing has been resolved. Uh-huh. They still have those unresolved issues. Yeah. So regardless how upfront I am to the person, if the person puts up that wall and brings in all the defense mechanisms, uh-huh. nothing much can be done. So what I'm trying to say in this example is really look at the mirror and try to let go of judgment and instinctual urge to protect yourself. Uh-huh. If we're willing to let go of our defenses, our ego, and be more open, it will help us in the journey to self-awareness or self-mastery. Yeah. Another tip too is journaling. I always tell this, write down your experiences of course, in a factual manner. <laughs> and identify what triggers your behavior. Pay attention to your thoughts, actions, and triggers. It will help you to be more mindful in how important being mindful is. And speaking of mindfulness, meditation or simply taking a short time or at least 10 minutes to step back is really important. And maybe... Focus on one thought that you would like to improve or change. If there's one area in your life that you want to change, start by bringing awareness to the habits that surround you and the aspect of your life. Mm. I know how much you love journaling and meditation mm. through yoga, Kim. That they <laughs> could be the reasons why you have developed self-awareness at an early age. <laughs> well, quick trivia before I give my last tip. Did you know mm-hmm. that self-awareness is a core component and a building block of emotional intelligence? Mm-hmm. True. So, if you're looking to build your emotional intelligence, then being self-aware is the first step. Alright, let's move on to my last tip since I think you're done. <laughs> and that is to practice acceptance. As I've mentioned a while ago, it is our nature or it is human nature to try to control everything, even that which we cannot control or change. And having self-awareness means you recognize the difference between what is within your control and what is outside your ability to handle. And knowing what your capacity is and your limitation will help you gain that increase in self-awareness. Nice, awesome tips and really building that muscle, right? To be present mm-hmm. and awake in our life. And, you know, to top it all, this re- building of resilience and awareness will really help us to ride the life's ups and downs and live mm-hmm. a happier and healthier life. So, take an honest look at your life. Do you know who you are, what you feel, and what you desire? What's that one thing you can start doing in order to be more self-aware? Thanks for listening to That One Thing Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow our social media account at That One Thing PH. Did you enjoy this episode? Let us know and leave us a message. You can also ask a question in the link in the description. 
Be sure to tune in every other Friday for new episodes. Thank you.